This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two unofficial advertisements for Disney content that's certainly going to have this episode, DCMA'd, Brian Murray. Hello. And Kara Shamborski. Hi. <laughs> thank you both for joining me this week. Uh, and thank you to everyone hanging out in our Discord for the last half hour as we talked about Disney merch. That's what you're missing out on if you're not in the Discord for these live recordings. But I'm here to talk to you all about comic books with Brian and Kara. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone that the annual episode, sixth anniversary for IRCB is next week. Send us in a voicemail uh, send via, you can call us or you can email us um, and we'll make sure to play it on the episode and you'll be entered to win a t-shirt or a hat or a sweater. Your choice. We'll let you know who wins. Um, we've got a whole bunch of stuff coming. Brian is going to be running a trivia game. We're going to be doing a live Q&A. Uh, we've got a couple other pretty cool things planned, some very special merchandise that's probably going to get dropped. So make sure to join us live to get early access to all that stuff and to hang out with us while we're recording the episode. It's going to be a blast. We're going to be recording January 24th at 1 p.m. next week, Sunday. Um, it's going to be fantastic. But let's talk about comic books. Let's do the thing that we do every single week. And I'm going to ask that legally mandated question. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Brian. Uh, I've been pretty good. Um, if you were on our, our hangout last night, you probably heard me cackling about how I have not actually read a single comic book in a long, long time. Um, so I'm going to deviate a little bit and talk about one of the web comics that I've been reading. Uh, and that is questionable content. Uh, it's been running ongoing since like 2005 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I've been reading it pretty much the whole time. Um, it's, it has drifted so far from like the, it was like originally just like an indie sad boy comic. Um, mm -hmm. and now it's about like the existential trauma of like, an AI being uploaded to a new body after their original body was destroyed and like how war has fucked up machine intelligences. <laughs> like, wait, 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 questionable content. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, the name says it all, Mike. I, I know, but like, okay. Yeah. So doing a, a whole thing on uh, the AI penal system lately. Where okay. one, one character is a recently released, uh, formerly incarcerated AI who was put into, like, a government-issued body that was falling apart. And so they were talking a lot about, like, the injustices of this system and how, like, they need to do a better job of caring for AIs in these circumstances. And and she just got a new body. So it, it was very exciting. She's huh. She's losing some of her prickly exterior and learning to be nicer to people because... She was shown kindness for the first time in her existence. I mean, somehow, I mean, I have to imagine you're talking about this for um, a reason, if only because Kara's on this episode. And that was a focal point, I think, in the uh, I Read Star Wars comic book series. You guys got to stop bringing this up. I get it. Robots are people. All right. I get it. They're not. You're hammering into my brain. They're sentient <laughs> beings. Don't they have rights? Uh, honest to god i i didn't even make that connection but yeah yeah droid droid <laughs> trauma common is, theme. Mm, mm -hmm. it's true because you're my fucking subtitle on this show <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad to hear that that series is still going because i mean like i think when i was first getting into like comics in general one of the things that i heard about you know was questionable content there's a couple of other series that i think are running just as long um i, I think to this day and like the fact that this is still going but it's moved on to be this 
bigger sci-fi thing kind of is is very interesting um i i'm glad to hear it's good it's still good at least yeah and then the the art the evolution of the art over the the past decade and a half has been mind-blowing like Mm -hmm. because it was not great at the beginning but he's like he has used this series jeff jocks the author creator has used the series to basically learn how to draw better and Mm -hmm. so it's been really cool to watch like the stylistic changes over time definitely well, I mean, I believe it's all available to read for free online on their website. So if you yeah. guys get a chance, go for it. Yeah, it's just questionablecontent.net. He also has Very a bunch cool. of other novelty URLs. Like I think, uh, what, dildo.golf, I think is one of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, can, I, got the whole li- I got the whole list here. Uh, poop.rodeo is one. Okay. Uh, Why not? Piss.farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mydickandballs.com. Redirect sure. to questionable what? content. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so, is there a, right. an in-universe reason for these vanity names, or is it just for fun? He just realized he could. Ah. I think it started with like him realizing that dot horse was something he could do. So mm-hmm. I think he was like Walmart dot horse for a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> until until eventually, of course, he was told to stop. Right. Right. Uh, Dildo.pizza was the one I was trying to remember earlier. Uh, I, I like 69.bingo. Um, <laughs> fart.computer. That one seems like a low-hanging fruit buried already in the ground um, that I should have had myself. So uh, very jealous of some of these these wonderful URLs that he has. <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm going to, before we dive too deep down that hole, uh, Kara, uh, how about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? Hey, um, so I, uh, I'll, I'll get into this a little bit more with my, with my upcoming pick of the week, but today for the first time in five years, I ordered a physical comic book from a local comic book shop. So that's, <gasps> I know, I know. So that's Claps my, in the chat, everybody. I, I know. Um, so yeah, that, that's a, that's a big moment. Cause I've been doing like trades and hoopla and not reading as much as I did as a teenager. Um, anyway, I'll get into that later. So um, what I read this week is um, a book that I ordered, not realizing it was a French book translated into English. And within the first few pages, I was like, this doesn't feel like an American comic book. And then I saw on the interior page, it was like translated <laughs> from the French. And I was like, this, this tracks. So um, it's called The Golden Age, book one. Uh, by Roxanne Moray and Cyril Pedrosa. And it is fucking gorgeous. Oh my God. It's like 200 pages, this gorgeous hardcover. It's um, translated into English and distributed in the US by first second. And I feel like their lineup is um, always very interesting and thoughtful. Uh, This is one of the most unique comic books I have read in a long time. So the, the plot is... Like this, the princess is becoming the queen because her dad just died. But wait, her younger brother and her mother like overthrow her. And now she's in exile and she's trying to figure out what to do and where to go. So that's all pretty basic. But the stuff happening around that central plot is the interesting stuff because there's like this 
upheaval in the countryside because peasants are suddenly starting to realize, oh, maybe we could be equals like the nobility and there wouldn't be servants. And what would that look like? Let's just burn everything. Mm. And so there's a lot of like, (laughs) (laughs) so, so there's like these, these like sociopolitical things happening around this, like, basic story of deposed royal has to figure out what they're going to do next um and the thing that is actually the most uh striking and interesting about this book for me is um the art this is a book where like i feel like with a lot of um a lot of comic books we get really used to close-ups like facial close-ups and like body close-ups to tell the story those are really rare in this book. This book is really big on scenery, setting the mood and focusing on objects instead of the people. And like the people are super tiny and you just have their little speech bubble popping up over them in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, The colors make really a really strong um, hue shifts uh, depending on what's happening. So like violence, the page is going to be like all reds and oranges and calmer mm-hmm. moments are going to be like all blues and purples. And the rare normal moment is like a range of colors. But those are so unusual that when they happen, you're like, what? What do you mean this whole page isn't yellow? <laughs> so um, yeah. they so like this shifting over time of of these colors and like because everything's very like the whole page is using just a few tones to get the image across you really do get to focus on the um the line work this is a very uh triply whimsically drawn book there's a lot of detail it must have taken forever to get the inking done on this book there's a lot of like really tiny like hatching details on trees but the tree takes up half a double page spread and you're just staring at it like how long did this take you do you now have carpal tunnel should we send help? But, you know, it's probably fine because in France, they, they don't have as quite rigorous a publishing schedule as we do in the U.S. or Japan. So right. um, anyway, and uh, the the other thing that really struck me about the Golden Age is um, the effective use of double page spreads. I think much like our acceptance of the overuse of like close up of people's faces in comic books, I think we're kind of used to especially in superhero comic books for the double page spread to just be like here are two pages of the hero in a pose yelling Mm -hmm. something and that's actually not a very effective use of a double page spread like it's splashy and stuff but what is that really adding to the story and what is going on um in the golden age there are a few double page spreads take up two pages like that you don't have to write as much (laughs) yes fine but like uh, you're not servicing the story <laughs> no 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 no. it's a good point but so in the golden age there's a few double page spreads where you know the background it, it's this gorgeous scenery and the double page spread exists because through the two pages you are seeing these characters travel along a path and so you follow the dialogue from the left page over to the right page as they're traveling. So you get a better sense of the passage of time and of the physical journey that they're making through the enormity mm-hmm. of this scenery and how small they are and how like many little conversations they can have 
while going through this path. Um, there's a couple double page spreads in like town scenes where it's just here's the whole town and here are all the different conversations happening around this town simultaneously. So I thought very effective use of double page spreads. And now I'm just like, why are other people using double page spreads for boring reasons when they could be using it for something that actually services the story just from the preview i've seen on the mcmillan website this book looks absolutely gorgeous like i think you would just get lost in looking at the page layout and just the design of every like i saw a couple of these double page spreads you were talking about Mm -hmm. and holy smokes this is a masterpiece of art it's incredible it's it's very very stunning um also uh I, i wrote a note about the noses like, I guess it makes sense that French people would have an appreciation for for um, noses not having to be tiny and Disney princessy. But um, there's a lot of attention to detail on some of the really large noses in this book. And I don't know why, but I really <laughs> appreciated that. Yeah. So uh, definitely check out The Golden Age if you like ye old medieval stories with royals but this time with a healthy side dose of should monarchy even exist but not in like a heavy-handed way um but yeah definitely if you're somebody who appreciates uh detailed interesting art with tonal shifts of colors definitely check out the golden age um i think it's one of two so the second book i think will come out either next year or the year after and then my my other Super quick update is um, a couple of weeks ago on the holiday break, I went down a Red uh, Red Sonia rabbit hole, um, read a lot of Red Sonia comic books, and discovered that there's actually a relatively new comic called Red Sonia and Vampirella Meet Betty and Veronica. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, they're all going to be best friends. That's what it sounds like to me. And it is not good but it proves my eternal thesis that the archie characters work in any setting as long as they stay true to character <laughs> so <laughs> that's my that's my reveal Sounds fun <laughs> yeah. well uh okay so i'm not gonna read that thank you uh- <laughs> well it's just like the i think it would have been more interesting if the art was a little more engaging but the art just kind of gotcha. looks like they maybe didn't pay somebody good money so they kind of phoned it in so, I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, for me this week, um, I read a couple of different things. I read uh, Cosmonites, which is a it's like a packaged graphic novel from Top Shelf Comics written by Hannah Templer. Um, this is published in 2019. It's actually a collection of a webcomic that you can read right now at Cosmonites.space. It's one of those other cool vanity URLs, I guess. Um, and yeah, I snagged this at some point and I've kind of just been sitting on it. Like it's been in my, it's been downloaded on my iPad for probably since it came out. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I, I couldn't stop reading it. Uh, this high level description that I've kind of given it here is it's space gaze dismantling the patriarchy, featuring gorgeous colors, action packed fights, making a life for yourself, breaking the law. This book has everything that you'd want in a really cool, uh, like, modern take on sci-fi action stories that have a really strong message that doesn't feel heavy-handed i mean it is a little heavy-handed in a couple places but i ultimately feel like it has a really good positive message um the description from the publisher is pan's life used to be very small work in her dad's body shop sneak out with her 
friend Tara to go dancing and watch the skies for freighter ships. It didn't even matter that Tara was a princess until one day it very much did matter and Pan had to say goodbye forever. Years later, when a charismatic pair of off-world gladiators show up at her doorstep, she finds that life may not be as small as she thought. On the run and off the galactic grid, Pan discovers the astonishing secrets of her neo-medieval world and the intoxicating possibility of burning it all down. Um, Yeah, this book is fucking amazing. I don't know when the next volume is going to come out, but it is the number one book that I'm looking forward to that I've discovered recently, and um, I just need more of it in my life. And you can read all if most if not all of it from the website cosmonites.space um but otherwise i think this is totally worth picking up go buy this book it deserves every penny um i thought this was going to be a book that i kind of read in a couple sittings just because it's a little bit longer um but i couldn't stop reading as soon as i sat down i had to finish it um after i got through about the first 20 pages it was like okay this is this is going to be done so i highly recommend it it's a beautifully drawn book um and again the story is really really engaging really fun to read um, the other thing I read was uh, Homesick Pilots number one and two. This is by Dan Waters uh, with Casper Wingard on art. And everybody and their mother has been talking about this book online, including our very own Cinco, who's in the chat today. And it was on the last week. Um, so I figured I, I, he tossed it out. I'm going to check it out. Um, sometimes a ghost house needs some help. Sometimes there's a murder. Sometimes you just want to play in a punk band. That's pretty much what Homesick Pilots is. And um, I was like super reeled in by the first issue of this book. Um, to the point where I immediately bought the second issue and I was I was actually a little bit disappointed in how I guess flat the second issue felt um, compared to the first one. I think the way that Waters established characters was super well done um, and I'm really, really hooked. So I'm going to keep reading. But um, number two was a little bit of a little more a little lackluster, I guess, um, for lack of a better way to say that. Um, but nonetheless, I think that with the in, the way that the story is developed and all of the possible story bits that are uh, potentially coming into play um, based off of the first two issues. I think there's a lot of really interesting places this book can go. Um, I like the idea of a numerical based plot, which I guess that doesn't really make sense if you haven't read the book, but it's exciting. There's at least like a beginning, a middle of an end that we know that we're going to get to. I can see this going on for maybe 20 or 30 issues and being a really good, solid um, story throughout. And uh, Casper Wingard's art has so much opportunity to do some really cool things i think just in the first two issues the the mix of horror ish elements and these muted neon colors that are available like in every other page and the color palettes that are used is super duper interesting for a book that probably could have been colored in like dark browns and reds and oranges um similar to something like witches or um uh the book that jordy belair wrote that i is escaping me um but yeah, this instead this book has a lot of really like 80s style neon color and I really enjoyed how interesting that was without I don't know, without trying to spoil too much because there's some really fucking cool things that happen in the second issue um that although it, the the issue to me kind of fell flat near the end had enough potential to be like, "Oh, I think Wingard could actually do some really fucking cool designs moving forward." So, I'm excited to see where this book goes. Um if anything, um, I feel like if the next issue doesn't hook me, I'll probably stop reading it and just wait for the trade. But um, for now, I'm at least hooked in for number three. So yeah, everybody should read this book. Oh, thank you. The In the chat, someone said Redlands. Uh, that was the book I was thinking of. And I think that, yeah, Homesick Pilots could have been colored in the same way and it would have been 
you know, just another horror book, but to lean into these like brighter colors while also kind of doing some horror elements um, is a really interesting choice. And it makes this book stand out, I think, more so than any other like scarier book that's out there, um, which who knows we might be talking about soon. But um, oh, the one other thing I want to mention is I did read Hikaru no Go uh, volumes one and two for the Discord manga read along, which if you're not part of that, you should jump on the Discord and uh, read some very fast paced manga with us and we can all get hyped about Go and how hard of a game it is to play. Um, and yeah, I'm also queuing up Richard Stark's Parker for like my third or fourth reread <laughs> uh, for the book club that we're doing. So yeah, that's that's what we've been reading. Let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that are coming out. On January 20th, 2021, what are you both excited for this week? Kara, I'm going to kick it back to you. Okay, so back to what I was saying earlier about I finally ordered something from a local comic shop. And you're probably wondering, but Kara, you read so many comic books. What do you mean you haven't been supporting small local businesses at this time? And I will say (laughs) that I was so destroyed by my original local comic shop closing that I just didn't find a new one ever and like when i was working in midtown in new york i would like go to midtown comics for some things because they were right there but like i never had a pull list with them or anything like that um and for most of the comics that i wanted to read the last few years like they were in graphic novel format so it was easy to get them from booksellers instead of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. comic booksellers and um and also you know hoopla makes it really easy for people in america who have access to library systems that use hoopla to read lots of comics anyways listen you don't have to make excuses because i think that there's a whole episode available for us to talk about the local comic book shop experience in the modern day i I know that we've done it we've talked about it in bits and pieces over the years but like there's definitely something to be said about the the local comic shop experience just for people in general and how it is still jarring to a lot of folks right but the the one that's close to where i'm currently living is actually like nice and i haven't really heard anything bad about it it's just i haven't anyway so the thing that pushed me over the edge to actually call them up on the phone like a like an older than millennial person (laughs) and, (laughs) and order a book from them coming up this week is future state immortal wonder woman number one and multiple things spurred my decision to actually get this from a comic shop. One, mm-hmm. I got really mad at the fact that the only way you can get a digital comic book is if you give 30% of that price to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or iTunes or Google. Um, I was I just felt really mad about the gatekeeping nature of digital comic books if you can't get them like PDF direct from the publisher in DC, you can't. Um also, I feel like DC stuff does show up on Hoopla, but not for like a while. And uh, people being mad about Wonder Woman 1984 being not a perfect movie has made me really feel like I just need to buy a lot of Wonder Woman stuff to channel my anger into telling DC with my money that Wonder Woman is worth investing in. So yes. um, all those things, plus... Uh, Becky Cloonan and Jen Bartel are doing art on this book. So the, the plot synopsis for Future State Immortal Wonder Woman number one is like so dumb. I didn't even register it when I was reading it, but I am willing to pay the six dollars for this book. Not understand. Like, I don't know anything about this Future State thing that's going on, but I will pay six dollars for Becky Cloonan and Jen Bartel 
on a Wonder Woman book. Like that yeah. is that is just a choice that I am making. And I I was like, oh, you know, maybe else uh, I don't want to really get it digital, even though with Jen Bartel, she I think she colors digitally. So she's an artist where I think her, her art does show up better digitally than on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then I was looking at the the website for um, the the comic shop that's closest to me. And they were like, we have opened a Patreon to support our operating costs. And I was like, um, hi, um, this is Kara Shaborsky. And I'd like to order this book. Thanks. Like, just, <laughs> you know, once, once your local comic shop has to have a Patreon to keep going, like, I don't know, all my other all my reasons for not shopping from them seemed really stupid in comparison. Yeah. So I get that because because the, they do do a lot of um like accessibility and and uh, book availability for kids, and you know how I feel okay. about children reading comic books because I don't care if it's a comic book they're still reading and getting used to like right. enjoying a narrative. So totally agreed. Anyways, so um that's the book that I ordered and will be reading um this week and uh the other thing i wanted to super briefly mention because i didn't realize they were happening um idw is doing these uh comic book compilations of the teenage mutant ninja turtles where it's like the one coming out this week is best of leonardo and they also have like Mm -hmm. best of donatello best of Raphael, and i think this is also like a six dollar expanded floppy or something like that but i i really enjoy when um comic book companies do recognize that people might want an easy like intro or jumping on point and i feel like the tmnt are super recognizable and if you haven't read those comics and you're interested in them knowing that you're diving into a like best of compilation that's affordable i think that's just something that more comic book companies should be doing regularly yeah i i i looked at this i i thought it was an interesting thing just to be like hey maybe i'll just get like a random assortment of, of tmnt comics just to like have them to read because sometimes you just want that like i don't need to read you know the 24 volumes of the ongoing tmnt story maybe i just want like some cool little one shots about these these little turtles that i love yeah exactly so yeah best of leonardo by cool. idw sounds exciting well brian what about you what are you excited for this week well through some uh, twist of fate you happens to put me on an episode again with an issue of we only find them when they're dead coming out the following week so of course, that's going to be my pick. Um, I am entranced by this series. I have already gone back and like reread the first four issues, which I almost never reread stuff. But I, I, I don't really know what, what else to say about this book that hasn't already been said. Um, it's very, very good. And if you're not reading it yet, you should do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting no, for I you to say what agree. is wrong with you if you're not reading this. <laughs> well, the, the thing that makes this this book so interesting to me is just how strong every single character feels. Like, and and the way that they're drawn, it feels like I don't know. Like the the characters are constantly drawn in the same place over and over and over. It feels like almost like Power Rangers or almost like or star trek in a way where like the person is is associated with a position on the ship so wild that so well that even if you're kind of lost as to what's going on um you know who's talking and you know what they're talking about and i think ewing does a really good job of writing his characters so well that they all have extremely distinct voices um and you can you can feel like a really strong family dynamic throughout the book i 
I, I'm right there with you, Brian. I fucking love this book. It's incredible. Yeah, and I, I'm terrible with names, so I can't remember what any of the uh, characters are called. But like you were saying, when they are all so like distinct and they're all so rooted in the the world of the comic, it's very easy to tell who's who. Right. Even, even if in your head you're just kind of like, oh yeah, this is that guy. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'm the same way. I'm terrible with character names, but um, I I I definitely can recognize positions in a ship. So uh, <laughs> there's there's that. Um, cool. Um, for me this week, uh, I actually want to say before we get into my comic pick, since it's 2021 and this year we're trying to get people to read comic books because I know that a lot of you out there who are listening to the show don't read a lot of comic books. Um, that's a joke Mike. for legal reasons. That's <laughs> a joke. No. Um, I, I do want to say that we're trying to do this new thing that if you share the show on social media and you tag us, uh, you can we'll give you a twenty dollars gift card to Comicsology or Midtown Comics because those are the easiest things to give you gift cards to. Or if we want to work things out, we can we can maybe get you a gift card to your local comic shop um whichever you prefer uh this year we're trying to help people read comic books like i said and this week's winner um for someone that shared the show on social media is matt sherman matt i think you're in the chat today so let's chat after this episode you're getting a free you're getting 20 dollars to your local comic shop midtown comics whatever you prefer um but thanks for sharing the show we really really appreciate it i i love to see your your post on instagram so if you also want to win 20 dollars, make sure to share the show on instagram twitter wherever and make sure to tag us um and we'll potentially get you some some uh some gift card stuff anyways um comic picks for this week uh for me uh i am picking iron fist heart of the dragon number one by larry hama and david walk walker um this the premise of this book is uh someone is killing the ancient dragons that power the heavenly cities and only iron fist and the deadly weapons can stop them if they can discover who they are in time i i don't i don't even know this book is insane um, I, I, I know Larry Hama. He's, he's a famous creator of a bunch of GI Joe comics and a ton of other stuff. Um, nonetheless, the, the dragon mythos behind iron fist and the deadly weapons is something that's always intrigued me when I read the Ed Brubaker, Matt fraction, iron fist, and then the Dwayne Straczynski, um, iron fist that followed that with the deadly weapons and stuff. I was super sucked in. It got me really interested in iron fist. And, um, then I dropped off. I don't know what happened after Swazinski's run. I just fell out of love with iron fist, but seeing the premise of this book has me pulled in and it's a six issue mini series. So I'm all for it. Very excited to chat about it or to, to read it. It's going to be super fun. Um, I also want to say some of the folks on Discord have comic picks for this week. Uh, Danny said that he's interested in Future State Superman Worlds of War number one. Aaron's into uh, Abbott 1973 number one, which I'm also very excited about. That was almost my pick for this week. And Cinco said that he's into uh, The Expanse number two. So uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about Gambit is broke-ass Batman. This is something from episode 257 of the show. We're going to be talking about it in depth, I think, today. So we'll be back in just a second. For our show this week, we are asking the question, is Gambit from the X-Men just a broke-ass Batman? Yes. Um, and maybe we're going to get into some other similar but not necessarily cloned characters from the big two. But the the resounding answer, I think, between myself, Brian, and Kara is that, yes, Gambit is just broke as Batman. And we're going to talk about why that is in a second. Before we do that, I want to remind everybody that 
we are giving away another $20, you know, to gift cards. We just got nonstop giveaways that are happening. And we want you to go fill out the IRCB survey um, for 2021, 2020, whatever. We want to know what you think of the show. We want to get some feedback from folks. And if you do that, you could be entered to win $20 gift card to uh, your local comic shop, Midtown Comics, Comixology, whatever you prefer. Um, just go to ircbpodcast.com slash survey. You can maybe win a gift card, but also give us some relevant information. It really helps us make the show better uh, and direct things and how we want to do things in the moving forward. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that our Goodreads nominations for the month of February are up. So if you want to help nominate a book to our, for our Goodreads group, go over to ircbpodcast.com com slash goodreads and you can you know nominate a book that we have for the month of february which is the theme is anthology so if you got a good anthology head over there and put it up on the goodreads but let's do this let's get into things let's talk about it let's answer that question and maybe explain why the answer is a resounding yes to is gambit a broke-ass batman um kara i want your thoughts yeah let's start at the beginning because you know not everybody knows some of the details about batman and gambit like all right so so broad strokes of batman he's a rich kid with issues lots of issues which is (laughs) i think a direct quote from something he actually said to wonder woman in the the bruce tim justice league series from the early 2000s Mm -hmm. but it pretty much sums Mm -hmm. them up as a character i mean like little bruce wayne this like little billionaire child watches his parents get brutally murdered before him one night when he's like eight years old and then he spends the rest of his life becoming a crime fighting vigilante who instead of spending his billions on like public works and health projects and loans to small businesses and so forth decides to spend it all in technology to uh continue his one-man crusade caped crusade as somebody who dresses up as a bat and beats up bad guys at night. So mm-hmm. um, that's Batman. And I, I describe him as someone who actually like, I, I freaking love Batman, you guys, but he's so weird. He's I mean, such a weirdo. In comparison, I mean, Gambit has had the exact opposite life um, in that he was born um, he was born to a poor family. Um, his dad was like the king of thieves, I think. And essentially, he was abducted as a kid, him and his brother. Um, and he kept his powers secret from people because, you know, he got, he, he got a, you know, X-Men powers um, where he can basically biokinetically charge things. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, and I just want to say... I'm this this episode is going to have no direction because I keep getting distracted by everything. Gambit's old powers or at some point he used to have powers where he could he had foresight abilities with tarot cards. He could manipulate space and time. Um, What the fuck? I, I feel like I need to read more Gambit. I thought that I read all the Gambit comics out there, but apparently I was wrong because I don't remember any of this stuff. Um, so. But yeah, I, did Batman ever have these kinds of powers? Uh- <laughs> Batman is pretty consistent in his not having of powers. Like, you know, it's the it's the joke on every team that he's a part of, like the Justice League and Justice League International and like any the outsiders. It's just like you're a rich dude. Like his power is being rich. And I guess you could argue like he trains a lot or whatever, but um and and the comics really uh I think consistently ignore the fact that he's supposed to be the world's greatest detective in favor of him just having him punch clowns. Like, can you imagine how different the Batman canon would be if they actually focused on the world's greatest detective thing 
and had him just solving mysteries instead of like the solving the mystery being the reason for punching. Right. Imagine if Batman was the question. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, really. So um, anyway, so the the reason we, we were talking about like Gambit is broke ass Batman is because um, their love lives our lives are really similar. (laughs) Right. You know, yeah. Like, um, they, I think we, we figured out that they, um, they both have a complex romantic history with the leader of a league of assassins, uh, in Batman's case, Talia Al Ghul, the mother of his (laughs) delightful demon offspring, Damian Wayne. <laughs> right, and in Remy's case, it's it's Belladonna Bordeaux. I don't. I'm not going to try to pronounce the French name correctly. You got it. It's good. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's how you say it though, because it's B O U D R E A U X. So I think it's Baudreau. Baudreau. I don't know. Let me just Baudreau. add the heaviest American accent to it possible. You're doing Could great, Baudreau. Mike. Boudreau. So, Thank you, Brian. Um, and they're both kind of all right. So, so. We have in our notes that they're both kind of like moody and mysterious, but I I have to say, you know, I know we're here to talk about their their similarities as as characters, but I think the huge difference that we do have to kind of talk about, um, especially since the 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 overlapping similarity that got us on this topic in the first place, is that Gambit is sexy as fuck and Batman is just not. Like you'd think <laughs> You'd think that Batman uh-huh. is like this like brawny billionaire who like wants justice would be really sexy, but he's mm-hmm. he's just not. Um <laughs> is it cause he puts off like such strong dad vibes that people are like, I can't find this paternal figure sexy, even though paternal figures are sexy to some people. He's it's just I don't know. Like like Tia and I briefly talked about this on a previous episode where I, I was um when we did our Batman's planning special, mm-hmm. um, like like Dick Grayson, the first Robin, grew up to be incredibly sexy, but his mentor figure <laughs> is just not. But when I right. think Gambit, like Gambit was one of my first attractions as a youth. Like I understood as a prepubescent child that Gambit was hot. <laughs> like I got that just from the nineties cartoons. Right. So I'm like, what like on paper, they're both these dudes who, like, I don't know, Batman's always, even though he's, like, a rich kid with issues, he always has some kind of relationship with a woman going on. I th- Like, Gambit, of course, has the whole, like, rogue thing, plus other ladies, I'm sure. Like, well, on paper, yeah. they're both, like, ridiculous ladies men. But for Gambit, I buy it. And for Batman, I'm like, why? <laughs> Well, I think Bruce Wayne, I, I think that we aren't giving credit to the Bruce Wayne side of things being kind of charming. I think Bruce Wayne might be charming. I don't know if that makes him hot. Bruce Wayne I think it makes is him only like... charming in Batman the Animated Series because Kevin Conroy <laughs> is a master voice actor. No true, other reason. True. The thing is, I don't understand how anyone could find Gambit to be like charming or even remotely attractive once he opens his fucking mouth. Right. <laughs> So I think the thing with I think the thing with Batman is that a lot of these these women find him attractive kind of in spite of himself. Like <laughs> he is he is so like surly and grumpy that like 
it, it's a challenge, right? Like I, Catwoman, definitely. Like she just wants to crack that nut. <laughs> she already did, Brian. She did. <laughs> they showed it to us in the one-page spread at the end of Catwoman number one in the New Fifty Two. Uh, okay, that was okay. that yeah. was not what right, I anyway. meant, but okay. <laughs> Michael Janin has made sure that uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman always looks on paper hot i will say that like i don't know if you guys have seen any of the work that he did during tom king's run um when he was marrying and with catwoman for a little while when they were on the run but like dude stacked dude's a good looking dude as far as i'm concerned maybe maybe this is the confusion is that batman is a straight guy's idea of a hot guy okay okay shit yeah all right all right right, i can hear that you can you can look as aesthetically normative to the current ideal of beauty as you like but if your personality is garbage you are not attractive so maybe that's it like batman is not attractive because his his torturedness doesn't come off as oh let me fix you like gambits does batman's Uh, comes uh off as like i am just a weirdo loner in front of my computer (laughs) and i wear a costume and um after the siege on our capital that whole uh alignment is like not attractive at all so right right (laughs) um yeah but uh yeah like i said like on paper they're both ladies men they're both um (laughs) as you as you noted uh have they both have throwing projectiles that are closely associated Mm -hmm. so tell me about gambit's playing cards because i never quite understood that okay so i i always just thought it was a thing from the cartoon um and maybe it is but like i think throughout gambit's younger life um he tried to throw many a thing um and it wasn't until he found playing cards that he was actually able to like hone his craft because i think there's also like a he was he's from he worked on the streets or not worked on the streets he like lived on the streets and you know he was a pickpocket and he was part of this thieves guild and you know they're all like you know sleight of hand players and stuff and cards are one of those things that you do kind of like in your face magic um or up close magic whatever it's called and uh I think someone put a deck of cards in his hands and they were like, learn to throw these boy. And he said, oh, okay, sure, mister. Um, But it was probably more like, okay, sure, mister. And uh, he threw the cards. And uh, yeah, it it was mostly just like, I think it's one of those things that he could always keep on himself. It wouldn't be too weird for somebody to have a, a deck of cards in their pocket. Though in hindsight, saying that out loud makes me think if i ever met someone that had just a deck of cards in their pocket i'd be a little weirded out i think that they were definitely trying to con me but i think that's gambit's whole thing is that he's he's one of those sleight of hand thieves guild kind of people that you like the stereotypical um thieves guild type person and that's why it's it's his thing i mean really like he used to do things like like i guess with pens and other things you could keep on your person but then the deck of cards became his just go-to whereas batman's is just like if it's not branded what's the point right well then i guess gambit is smarter than batman because you know gambit's gambit's calling card if you will is (laughs) you can just you know it's pretty innocent you got a deck of cards on you okay dude as long as he's not using his powers how are you going to tie that back to him don't say DNA. I'm sure Professor Xavier or Beast have a way around that. But um, like Batman, everything is branded. So he leaves a batarang behind him 
Like, you know who the fuck was there. Like, he's not being subtle. (laughs) Well, Gambit has the ability to make things blow up. So it's like he destroys the evidence, which I guess good for him. (laughs) Smart thinking. And and I do think that for Batman, knowing that it was Batman who did it is part of the, the point. Like yeah. that, that contributes yeah. to his his legacy of fear Myth. that he's trying to spread through <laughs> Gotham City. Right. Oh, legacy of fear. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, that's I don't think we could say that. I think James Tinian's trademarked that as an arc that's coming up in Batman. So oh, God damn. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, Tinian can pay me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think it's, it's, I mean, this is a really funny comparison because I think like when you, when you really start to put them up side by side, there is a lot that they have in common, but I mean, could the same be done with the Punisher? Could the same be done with, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know of any other major brooding character. Could you put Ghost Rider up here? Would it work? No. Um, probably not. Because he's not I, I think it's, the, le- the leader of a League of Assassins. Right. That's the big one that connects them. Because I think, um, because no, when you... No, 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 Go because ahead. they're they're both date they both have a history with the same kind of lady. They are both on paper ladies' men for you know and they're both for like scruffy yeah. they're both like scruffy loners, more or less, who just have a lot of stuff going on that they never wanted to see a therapist about. <laughs> totally true. Totally true. And and quite honestly, like the whole you used to date someone from the League of Assassins constantly is a problem for both of them. Like (laughs) every time something's going well in Gambit's life, Belladonna shows up. It's like, Remy, it's time for you to die. And he's just like, oh, mon dieu. Like that's about half of the comics that Gambit's in. I'm pretty sure. You just hear yakety sacks start playing as Gambit goes terrorizing down an alley. Right. Meanwhile, oh Batman God. is trying to constantly carry around four children in his arms <laughs> as various ninja shadow people, uh, shadow like forms, try to kill him. Um, oh my God! So, yeah, that, was the all... one, that was the one that really stuck out to me is that both Gambit and Batman have led children into battle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait. Um, so if, yeah, because we were talking because Brian was talking about web comics earlier and. Um, and and we're now on Batman having tiny children go into battle with him. I'm reminded of the webcomic that I was obsessed with about 10 years ago called Batman and Sons. And it's some of the best comics about Batman ever, quite frankly. And um, one of them is sticking out in my mind right now. They're like, there's this one where it's like Batman um going through puberty and like in this comic he's already in his he's just in his bat suit all the time because that's just like the world of the webcomic but he's like curled up in a little ball like clearly trying to disguise an erection and he's just like i have a mission like maybe that's the problem with these dudes it's like instead of just you know accepting that they're allowed to be loved they're just like no i have a mission <laughs> are we start talking about much... the jedi because i don't i don't want to start talking about the jedi <laughs> <laughs> we did bring it back to star wars again right 
Oh my Why god! Why is uh, Batman also the same as Obi Wan or something? Um, no, I, I think it's it's funny because I think that Batman and Gambit also have a similar problem of never being able to stay around in one place for too long. Um, I mean, like they always have a home base, but they never can actually commit to doing like the emotional repair that they need to do. And like you said, they don't go see a therapist, and they definitely should. But I think when you know Gambit's thing for many many years up until very recently is that he couldn't stick around and be settled down and plant roots anywhere. He was constantly on the move trying to make money like because thieving was his thing like he basically was had the same mentality of you know every portrayal of modern Catwoman, and that she just likes to steal to for the sake of stealing and that was gambit's whole thing um and people every time someone tried to put a story behind that it always fell flat um but nonetheless like they they never can stick around to actually deal with the shit they need to like in gambit's case he can't be a teacher for too long in batman's case he can't take care of four fucking kids like (laughs) it's it's things that's like these guys have serious abandonment issues and yet they also are creating more abandonment issues in these in these other kids and characters um, mike gambit's yeah. a teacher this is at one point he was a teacher i mean like every x-men goes through a, a, a period of time where they are teaching something gambit's okay. whole thing i think for a bit was that he was teaching people how to control powers like his where like they have the potential to overload right like gambit's whole thing he, he potentially could just destroy a human like this it was canonized at one point that gambit didn't have to touch inorganic things he could touch anything and overload them with kinetic energy to make them explode um because i think at one point he straight up kills somebody with that and um he obviously learns to to take control over it which is how he works with rogue and their relationship because rogue in some stories can turn her powers on and off and gambit works with her to try to make that happen she's like remy you don't understand he's like rogue i've done this myself and then she flies away um and yeah so he was a teacher for a little bit I, mike i want you to keep making up gambit dialogue because your yeah. fake accent is everything i'm gonna, I'm gonna need like a, a three issue mini series that's just mike writing gambit so what I, what I really should do is I should produce a, a short series where I just read every Gambit story and then sum it up, like sum up whole arcs in like 10 minutes where I have to just describe what happened. Um, just get you on TikTok. I'd, I'd read that. I'd watch <laughs> get that. Get me on TikTok and I can be loathed like all the other comic people I see on TikTok that just make my skin crawl. Uh, I, oh shit, are we recording? Um, recording. Can, I, can I tell you though, um, speaking of, of Gambit, the thing that... I wanted the most over the last decade that did not happen that crushes me every time I think about it is the mm-hmm. project that never happened of Channing Tatum being Gambit in the Gambit movie. Ugh. Don't get me started. Like, you know, even bring back Taylor Kish. I don't care. Like, both of those were good picks as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but Channing Tatum's a, a sweet Southern boy who was really excited about portraying yeah. like the one superhero from his homeland. Mm-hmm. This is why I just watched Logan Lucky on repeat, so I can get that 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 Channing Tatum being kind of clever for a few hours, mm-hmm. and Adam Driver's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. the real reason. I mean, I mean that's that's <laughs> your that's your Gambit Batman fan fiction movie right there. Then Adam Driver could be Batman. Oh my! Adam god. Driver. Is, oh my god! Right. <laughs> Oh, that's that's too much. I can't. Even, right? I don't know about that. <laughs> Are you sure? He would be really funny. It would be very funny, but like, is he like Batman? Where like it's definitely a misspelling of Batman, or I because because Pierce Brosnan was in Logan Lucky too, right? 
or one of the bonds. No, was no, there. no. Another bond was uh, Daniel Craig. Was Daniel in it. Craig. He was great. Daniel Craig yeah. could be Alfred in this world. <laughs> oh my! Hold on a second. I think we got something. Now you're going to rewatch the movie with a whole different. Our, our lens. Logan Lucky Batman AU is. Where Batman and Gambit have to rob a racetrack in order to screw over a rich person who's married to Belladonna. Oh my gosh, I love this. I love this a lot. Great. You're going to rewatch um, it now and love it even more. Yeah, we'll talk mm-hmm. after the show. <laughs> yeah, I think I got a ten to 20,000 fan fiction story ready to go. Um, I just want to make up a clear point that we're, we're coming full circle on fan fiction here on IRCB, where I definitely started this show hating fan fiction. Tia and Kara convinced me that I should try it. And now all of a sudden, I constantly just want it. fan fiction in my life because yeah. it turns out most fiction is not what I want. Instead, uh-huh. I just want very specific niche things for maybe 100,000 words. And then yep. I just throw it all away. Never think about it again. Yep. Yep. I mean, fan fiction exists to to scratch that itch, you know? We just... <laughs> whether you want to... Whether, you, whether your itch is um, the sexual one or one where you just really want to watch your favorite characters getting coffee together and talking about the weather, like mm-hmm. low stakes mm-hmm. interactions. It's just... It's all there. An archive I wish own. that doujinshi was like a thing here in the United States, you know, um, where fan fiction actually created full, you know, full-fledged cart- cartoon comics um, featuring our favorite characters, but in different things. It doesn't have to be sexual, uh, but just in, in different stories, not created and licensed um, were a thing. But obviously, um, we have a whole problem with IP here in America. I just want to point out really quick that Danny posted a photo of Gambit next to Nightwing. And I almost said Nightcrawler, and you know that wouldn't have been out of the ordinary. Different but guy. Gambit, <laughs> Gambit and Nightwing, and his justification is that they're himbos. They both stay. <laughs> they both use staffs, and they won't stay in one place for too long. And you know what? Can't argue with that. You know, what? are Dick Grayson and Gambit the same person? Uh, I mean, they're both attractive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they both have dumb hair. They both can get it. How about that? Uh, <laughs> the fluffy hair. Um, yeah, you know what? Dick Grayson is definitely um, maybe more of a dick about women than Batman is because Batman at least is like, this won't work. But Nightwing has strung along Barbara Gordon and Starfire for the majority of his career as Nightwing. So fuck him. <laughs> I also just don't trust anybody who chooses to go by Dick. Like, you could be Richard. You could be Rick. You don't have to be Dick. Hell, you could be charged. I don't care. It's a whole different idea. (laughs) Richard Grayson sounds just like Alfred's sidekick. I've been been watching uh, the the Titans show on HBO Max. And Mm -hmm. every time someone's like, uh, nice one, Dick. He's like, wow, real original. Haven't heard that one before. Like, you don't have to be Dick, man. In either sense of the word. <laughs> Sometimes a nickname chooses you, you know? Oh God. Um I, I since we're since Gambit is is just so overlaying neatly into the bat verse, I think we should go back to uh the the catwoman idea, since they are both mm-hmm. thieves. Thieving, thieving, thieves. I mean, I guess mm-hmm, you could say mm-hmm. that Catwoman also is very flighty with her her love interests, except for Batman, which, as we established, is is more of a 
more of a cat and mouse game than I'll anything say, really else. more of a cat knocking around a ball of yarn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Cat Catwoman. Um, some of her more interesting stories have been the theft ones, as opposed to the um, vigilante of her own for the more crime-ridden neighborhoods ones. And mm-hmm. like, I-, I guess I could see like Gambit being. Are you saying that his dad is king of thieves is just making me think about Aladdin now. So in my head now, Gambit is Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I should is say, more... it's his adopted, it's his adopted dad. I mean, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get where I'm going with this. So, you yeah. know, I can, sure. Like Catwoman definitely is like thief with a heart of gold. Um, uh, Like she is often hypersexualized, but sometimes it just comes across as, genuinely sexy as opposed to look at the boobs so Mm -hmm. um i guess i don't know what the equivalent for gambit would be maybe look at the hair i don't know look at the hair (laughs) (laughs) well gambit is always drawn with like massive like a massive six-pack um that's not necessarily attractive mike I don't know. I don't know what women find attractive. I just don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, uh, looking at the picture Danny shared again, and this guy is like smuggling baseballs under his shirt. Like, <laughs> which one, Dick Grayson or Gambit? I can't tell. Gambit. He's... Dick Grayson is the one smuggling hams in his pants. Hams in his pants. Here's okay. the thing yeah, about yeah, six yeah. packs: if you have a six pack, good for you. But also, that means you have essentially no body fat, and that tells me that you don't know how to enjoy a good meal. Like you're only eating oh, to get your protein levels right. You're right, not eating right, to right. actually enjoy the food. And if we can't split a wheel of cheese, it's just not happening. So. <laughs> Hold on a second, Kara. <laughs> listen, I don't give a shit about what I eat. I still don't think I could split a wheel of cheese with someone. <laughs> a small one, not the oh, okay, not okay. the big Jarlsberg ones. Like a little, like you get a tiny little camembert or a brie. That is very doable if you've had a couple glasses of wine and have some nice bread. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, I want like yeah. the comically but you're not large doing that if you have a wheel pack. of cheddar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, she, she's factors in one of my favorite Channing Tatum films. <laughs> she's the man where um, Amanda Bynes' character is like teaching him how to flirt. And he's like, well, what do I talk to girls about? She's like, ask me if I like cheese. And he's like, do you like cheese? And she's this, yes, I do. My favorite Scooter. And I have used that example to like explain to guy friends how to flirt. They're like, how do you talk to girls? And I'm like, ask me if I like cheese. So earlier this week on Twitter, when a tweet saying that very thing, somebody found like a page of, um, I forget if it was like a men's magazine or like a men's book from like the forties or fifties about like how to talk to women and mm-hmm. like one of the items in this book was give her cheese. And I was like, thank you. Like, I'm yeah, not the yeah. only the one. Yeah, her with a, with a slice of cheese. Yeah. I think you I know? saw that going around the exactly. circles. Exactly. Anyway, so this is relevant. This is my long-winded way of saying like cheese is a very good topic of conversation. Like, even if right. you're not trying to right. flirt with somebody, because people will have an opinion about it. They will either love it or be lactose intolerant or be vegan. But either way, you have sparked <laughs> right. a dialogue. Right. I mean, what does Batman know about cheese? You know? I don't know, because That's... he spends all his time working out and fighting crime to try to avenge the death of his parents that he won't let go of. So... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gambit's just trying to steal things to have fun. 
He just needs that adrenaline kick all the time. Um, and which is why I think like in in a, in a different AU, uh, Gambit is just the the Catwoman in the Batman series, and it's just two men trying to catch each other, right? Um, oh. That's the different universe. Oh, very. That I'm different. thinking of. I don't, I don't um, know if but I it, ship it, but it would be fun to watch. Sure, sure. Because I mean, Danny asked the question: Would Batman catch Gambit? In, you know, in the middle of a crime, and I think Gambit would only let him catch him in the middle of a crime. Gambit has, I think, an Ocean's Eleven, for lack of a better movie that I could think of, like, level of planning around his oh, no, heists. That works. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think Batman wouldn't catch Gambit. I think it'd be like that. You know what? Um, I see it. I see, I see why that would work, but like Brian, I don't know if I'd necessarily ship it, just because, mm. um, Batman's no fun. So. <laughs> but it could be fun watching Gambit make fun of him for being no fun. Right, right. This would be you a fun what? buddy cop kind of thing or buddy I'd, scenario. I'd have to see yeah. the execution to make a final judgment. But <laughs> yeah. I'm not sold on it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could kind of see that. That's why I often go through phases where I ship Batman and the Flash because of the like kind of that dynamic. But I feel like Gambit would be like more um like flirty about it whereas the flash would be more like shucks about it if that makes sense we got yeah. off topic here <laughs> yeah we, we've been um very far off topic for a while you know it's fine because uh i, I just basically you know kind of want to wrap this episode up anyways with your final thoughts on you know did we really answer the question is gambit a bro- broke ass batman i think we came into this with a resounding yes but after the discussion how are you guys feeling about it brian what are your thoughts yeah i mean i think that the 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 core is different but they're it's kind of like a crab and a lobster right like sure. they're they're shaped differently but it's fundamentally the same animal right <laughs> if you're allergic to one shellfish you're allergic to all shellfish right uh i don't think that's how that works terrible analogy there but i, I agree with you i agree with you kara what, what do you think well um now that we've now that we've had this this conversation, um, I think we need to kind of expand our original thesis and just say that the whole bat verse can be personified as Gambit in the Marvel universe, but but like more fun. So like all just like all of the Batman characters in a blender and they pop up in the Marvel universe with glowy powers. Kind of uh-huh. kind of an oops all gambits. Oops all. G- <laughs> All right, I found a title for the episode, and um, (laughs) yeah, well, thank you guys for joining me in this conversation today. This is a lot of fun. I think uh, gearing up for next week's annual episode, I can't wait to see what kind of chaos we bring to the table then. Um, So thank you for for bringing this up, and I'm glad that we got to revisit it. Oh, yeah, this Uh, was delightful. Yeah, Uh, well, I want to say you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Brian at Brianhead. You can follow Kara at Kara S. Sam, and you can follow me at Mike Rappin. And then you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at IRCB Podcast, where I try to post pretty regularly. And don't forget, if you mention the show on Twitter or Instagram or somewhere where you can tag us, you could be entered to win a $20 gift card of your choice. This show and our many subscriber-only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. Join us now at patreon.com slash ircbpodcast. If you haven't already, uh, please rate and review our show. What are you waiting for? Go ahead. Go on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you give us five stars. 
Uh, you can also join us at our Discord at ircbpodcast.com forward slash Discord, uh, where you can do things like sit in on these uh, these recordings as they happen. And make sure to tell a friend or two about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is a just a great friend, cool person to talk to, and he edits the show like a, like a good person does. Uh, I want to say thanks to Brian and Kate or Brian and Kara for being on this episode. <laughs> uh, sorry about wow. that. And uh, thank you to uh, Danny, Cinco, Aaron, uh, and Matt for hanging out in the chat for us with us today. It was really really fun to have you guys listen to the episode live. And until next time, you got to remember, comics are good, and so are you. 